Welcome to the Coffee Clatch Crew Game of Thrones Conquest interview. I'm Jason. I'm Christina. And today we're going to be interviewing Aaron Campbell, who is an executive producer for Turbine Inc. For those of you that don't know, Turbine is an American computer game company that creates 3D massively multiplayer online role-playing games, or MMORPGs. You might know them for games such as Asheron's Call, Dungeons & Dragons Online Stormreach, Lord of the Rings Online, Batman Arkham Underworld, and most importantly, because that's what we're here to talk about today, Game of Thrones Conquest. This was a really fun podcast. We got to pick Aaron's brain about how video games are created nowadays as far as mobile is concerned. We got to geek out a little bit about Game of Thrones, which is nice to talk about GOT again. And he was able to give Christina and myself some tips for Game of Thrones Conquest. As well as some tidbits on a sneak preview for what we can expect in the upcoming updates for the game. I want to apologize ahead of time for the sound. Aaron was in this really cool conference room. Behind him, he had Warner Brothers, Batman, pictures on the wall. It, it was a really cool place, but he didn't have a mic like we do. He wasn't using a table mic. Basically, he was using a conference room mic. I don't know if you guys have seen this. It was definitely in that Mr. Robot episode. It's a mic that just sits on the table, and it records four ways. So if you're having a conference, it really works well. But the effect it has when there's just one person in the room, it kind of makes him feel like he's far away. But I think it worked out fine because you can hear him perfectly. Yeah, so if you aren't yet playing Game of Thrones Conquest, you should definitely check it out. This is an amazing game. It combines strategy with world building. All of your favorite Game of Thrones influences are there. And hopefully because of us, they may be implementing a pet direwolf. If I see one on there in one of the future updates, I'm going to freak out. But we were definitely promised some more fantasy, and I think that's going to be a great element to what's already an addicting and exciting game. If you enjoy this podcast and our Game of Thrones and Mr. Robot, Westworld, be sure to give us a rating and review on iTunes. And if you didn't already know, we are currently doing Mr. Robot. And as that season winds down, in January, we'll be going back to Magicians to start reviewing the magic in that world. And hopefully, we'll get one of the actors back on just like last year. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook at CKC Podcast and check out our Patreon for more exclusive membership content, including bonus reviews and movie reviews. This week, we'll be releasing Murder on the Orient Express. You don't want to miss it. Enjoy the show. Game of Thrones. Oh my god. There's dragons. Gotta watch it. You see them. There's this fight scene. Winter's coming. Winter's coming. Winter's coming. Winter's coming. How you doing, Aaron? How are you? Good. Can you see us? I can. Oh, I love your backdrop. Yeah, Thank that's you. awesome. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the Warner Brothers studio, we love our Batman. So. Of course. Well, welcome to the Coffee Clash Crew podcast. Thank you. I'm Jason. I'm this Christina. Nice to meet you. Christina's feeling a little sick, but she's going to try to hide it as best as she can. <laughs> try to pow okay. power <laughs> through <laughs> it. 
Where are you guys based? Long Island. Okay. And you're in Boston? Right? Yeah, I'm in Boston. Beautiful. Are you from Boston? No, I'm from California originally. Oh, and you went to the cold Boston area. Yeah, grew up in NorCal, came out here for school, got married, stuck around. <laughs> well, you stuck around to a cool place. So are you a huge Game of Thrones fan? I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan. Yeah. Great, because we have some questions. We have a test for you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. We've got some bigger fans on the team, but I'm a pretty big uh, Game of Thrones fan. Uh, show only, or did you read the books as well? Uh, I've read most of the books. I actually haven't finished yet. Oh, no. No, no. I, I'm, I'm trying to give George R. R. Martin time to catch up that's what christine is going through she's read them and listened to the audiobooks maybe like 10 12 times at least 10 times <laughs> yeah it's getting a little weird i'll say that <laughs> well because that's what's happened he's left you <laughs> yes yeah he's left you hanging all this time so i have nothing left to go back to so you're caught up with the tv show though right very much definitely it's crazy. It's in that period now where we are beyond the books. So we don't know if this is George R. R. Martin's way that he's going to go through it. We, you know, we know that he gave uh, the double D's you know, some pointers, some key moments, of course, right? right? But they had to fill in the, the blanks. So I think it's going to be even more interesting now when we get the book to be like, all right, so now we're going to see what's different from the TV to the book as opposed to from book to TV. And I'm not sure, I mean, maybe it's happened before, but this is the first time I can remember that, at least with such a huge story being told in this way for the TV show to surpass the books. So it's been an interesting ride for me because I was a book reader first. And now I, for the past few seasons, have nothing to go off of as my knowledge base. I'm just along with the rest of you. We'll fill you in real quick about us a little bit. We've been podcasting for a little over four years now. And we started with Game of Thrones and we do other TV shows like uh, Mr. Robot, Sherlock, Westworld. But Game of Thrones, I think it's safe to say is our favorite. Yeah. And it's also our biggest number of listeners as well. Sure. This is like our bread and butter. We love, we love this. Yes. And anything related to Game of Thrones, which is partly how we became such a big fan of playing this game. I'm just constantly looking for any Game of Thrones content <laughs> that's out there. <laughs> Do you have a favorite character? Oh, goodness. I'm, I, uh, the dearly departed, I, my favorite up to this point has been Littlefinger, uh, just because of his journey, just because of his, you know, scheming and intrigue and manipulation. Like, it, for a while there, it felt like it was actually, you know, it was a show about Tyrion in some parts, and it felt like a show about, about uh, Peter in some parts as well. Absolutely. Uh, they used him as a great tool to mix the pot up. So when everyone felt like they were on board, they knew what was going to happen the next couple of episodes, he was always there to just put a big spoon in and just stir it all up and, yeah, and flip you upside down. Chaos. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, my whole, like, if there's a core inspiration for this game, it is chaos as a ladder. Yes. Like, that is the foundation. So yeah, let's talk about the game. You're here to talk about Game of Thrones Conquest, which is a mobile strategy game. Christina and myself downloaded it first day it came out because we were, we were aware that we were going to be speaking to you. And <laughs> we, we love the game. I, you know, we nerded out. The game opens up, you hear the music that we all know and love, and then you see your favorite characters pop up with beautiful illustration. And I'll, I'll ask you about that in a little bit. 
And then Danny's talking to you. And it's just kind of like immerses you into this world that we all wish we were a part of. Well, on the good guy side, maybe, and rich and <laughs> have some magic or, you know, not die, basically. So, <laughs> so we, we love the adventure of it. And we've been playing, you know, nonstop now. And now I have to tell Christina she has to get off of it so we can do something else. <laughs> I tend to get a little competitive with these things. I'm not going to lie. But yeah, what I loved immediately about it was building your own world because that's what makes this story so great. It's such a vast world. And I don't even know how you guys took all of that information and managed to translate it into a game. I'm sure that must have been difficult, right? How do you decide what becomes a part of it? Yeah, I, we have... So our studio has a long history of translating worlds. Like we started with Lord of the Rings. Um, we've the, the density of it wasn't actually the problem. Like building out the world of Westeros felt really natural to us. Um, I think the key for what we were trying to do actually was to figure out how to bring your story into it, like how to to bring the right themes and the right areas of focus, like the things that will call out to you, oh my gosh, it's Game of Thrones, and grab hold of you immediately and connect it for you. So uh, from that perspective, basically your kingdom map, like that whole strategy table idea, those like castles on the, on the horizon, all of that was like a great backdrop. It was a really natural fit. We could lay, well, the first thing we laid out was the map, right? That was the first piece of the game to build. Because it just made sense. Yeah. Are you speaking of the world map or the awesome map on the table that you get when you first start the game? That that table map was one of our first pieces of concept art. Because we'd already seen, you know, we'd seen Stannis in front of his. We'd seen Rob. We, we connected it directly to the show. We got a whole box of those, like, wooden map markers that we could, like, play with, move around. One of our guys has a 3D printer at home, so he started making new variations. Um, and we thought about that as sort of like this 3D world. Like, how do we lay that out? And that led us directly then into that whole intro cinematic, that intro sequence, whenever the, the show opens up. We're coming in and flying over the world and flying over those castles and kind of seeing where the action is and what's going on. That's amazing. So something like this, working with HBO... Were there some things you knew you couldn't do or were they very on top of you? Like, um, you know, Danny's hair doesn't look like that or you know what I mean? Like, or her, that's a different blue on her dress or something like that. Yeah. How involved so, or not were they? <laughs> so there are things that are very important to the show. Um, the, the actors and actresses in the show are a key part of that. So yes, you don't get that wrong, right? There's, there's a lot of detail that goes into that. But there are, there are things that are subtler, right? So the like the early versions of the game we put together, we really tried to match the intro-cinematic feel, and it was so desaturated, had so little color in it, and it was so kind of mechanical. And so over time, then we sort of brought it back, and we said, okay, how many are spending a lot of time in here really like digging in? Like, how do I bring some color and some life into that? Um, finding those colors, finding things that like fit, that image and the feel of the show itself uh, at the same time as something you can immerse yourself in for a long period of time, that, that was a challenge for us. That was a big deal. That took a lot of back and forth. Listen, there's fans out there. It's just like comic book fans. You make a mistake, they'll let you know about it. With our podcast, we have so many listeners. Someone's bound to, to find a mistake we said. For example, 
I don't remember specifically, but we were remembering a part of the show that didn't happen. It actually happened in the book. It was a little right. different. So they were like, that never happened. They were very angry with us. And we had to explain, oh, that was the book. Sorry, we got mixed up. So yeah. there's no room for wiggle. There's no, um, <laughs> there's no room to say, well, use your imagination. It'll work because they'll be on you. Have you guys had any of that backlash? From the fans so far, no. Like, remarkably, no. Um, I, I'd love to say it's because we did a great job, but I, I, you know, I'm still waiting for it, right? Because I, I, I know there are things I know there are things we can make better. Uh, you know, and in the meantime, it's fun. In the meantime, now we're starting to sort of explore, uh, um, like the White Walkers are the things we're already starting to explore, and then starting to explore like ideas of magic and pushing out a little bit. Um, but we've got to stay within the boundaries of the world. Right? We've got to stay within like the, the world that players expect. Uh, the world the players expect is is all about. Uh, backstabbing, betrayal, and relationships, and you know, conquest. It's a, it's a very different kind of environment. So. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. This is such a a story that's very split between, like you said, politics and scheming and conquering, and then magic and fantasy things that don't really yeah. seem to go together. Um, so I was wondering how that went into the game, and if maybe there might be more fantasy to come because I am one of those people that just can't get enough. Like, I would love a pet direwolf in this game. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> you know, I think, like, the further along we go, the more flexibility we get. Like, the more we've proven ourselves, the more we have that that kind of that baseline of credibility. Like, there's the more we can explore. Um, you know, the pet direwolf, I'll write that down. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one, right? Excellent. I'm, not, I'm not kidding. I'll, I'll take a note on that one. The uh, because that's pretty cool. Um, we had a great brainstorming session today about things we're going to do next year. I think we were really conservative with magic and with fan- the fantasy aspects of it. Um, the the biggest challenge of getting this up and running, getting it started, was actually to focus on. Sort of like, would we be a narrative game? Would we be a player-driven game? Game where we landed was to go with the player story rather than the so focus on the world, focus on the player story rather than focusing on like, oh, you're in the middle of season one right now, and these five things are happening. Mm. Um, and that worked really well with the structure because it ended up being a place where, well, of course, you know, um, you know, Joffrey's not in King's Landing right now because another player just took it. Right, the history of the world has already changed. This is already your version of Westeros. This is already your story and your dynasties and your houses, great houses rising and falling, and your rivalries. Um, so that that already shifts up everything, right? That already shifts up the, the structure. Uh, and then the fantasy just gives us fun places to play next year. It gives us things to be able to do and expand into. That's great because it really mirrors the way HBO did it. If you remember the first couple of seasons, it really wasn't about the magic or the fantasy per se. I mean, of course, there was some fantasy there. It was more about the characters and the politics and, and getting to know and then killing your favorite characters. But, <laughs> <laughs> but now they are introducing more. You got to see more and more of the dragons. Now they're getting bigger. Now you see more of the White Walkers and you can see their power. And it kind of it's bringing a crescendo to the viewers, as opposed to if they saw it from the beginning, you know, it would just be more of the same. I think that really helped out. And with your guys' case, it, it mirrors that perfectly because users will get used to 
the way this game is, is played out. They'll build their own houses, their, their world will be stronger and stronger. And then when you introduce phase two of the app, and now you're giving them the magic that they wanted and the, the pet direwolf, <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> you know, it just makes them even more excited and want it to continue to play. Yeah. No, I agree. Like, we have to have some place to go, go bigger and better, go out. Um, you know, the only, you know, I, there's, and the whole way of building this, like, the, the um, information from the show is, is kept really quiet, right? As you know, they're really protective. So the, the only hint I got from, from talking to HBO all year prior to kind of the, uh, the season coming out and going into it was, you should think about dragons. That was the only hint <laughs> I got all year. So, okay, I have one note to take for the next year. <laughs> dragons. <laughs> it's a big note, though. That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Did HBO give you guys really cool figurines? Well, the, let's see, no toys or mementos yet. Um, <sighs> Uh, I, I hear we might get some uh, congratulatory beer sometime soon, which would be fun. I know they do a lot of different kind of products. Uh, the, um, when we, I went up there to do some, some interviews recently and got to play with uh, a full-size uh, replica of ice. I mean, I swear this thing was almost taller than I was, and it was metal, and it was just massive and heavy. And So I've gotten to play with a few things, but not bring them home. That's no, awesome, though. Yeah, you can't see. We have a game room downstairs, and we just have figurines. It's like I'm living my childhood, finally. Yeah. So we have figurines of Game of Thrones, uh, Assassin's Creed, one of my favorite games. Uh, you know, a- anything, you name it, Walking Dead. We saw, I'm just going to go away from the game for a little bit. Let's talk about Turbine for a little bit. I saw sure. the website. I took a look at it. I'm a web designer, so okay. um, I love this website. I know there's not much to it right now uh, as far as content. It gives you what you need, but it's visually very pleasing and you have the help of the great illustrations. But then you t- it kind of sells Turbine as a company. It looks like a really fun place to, to work at. I think there was a figurine. Uh, there was a Batman figurine on the website, if I remember correctly, which I was like, oh, I want that. Hire me so I can get that. <laughs> I saw on the website that you guys have this way to sign up as a play tester. Could you extrapolate on that? What does that mean for, for us? Sure. So I'll, I'll back up on Turbine for a second. So Turbine has been around over 20 years now as a game studio. Uh, we made uh, PC MMOs, so um, Asheron's Call, Lord of the Rings Online. Um, I've been with the company almost 12 years now, so and you know, we worked my way up to executive producer. Uh, before we went out and did this uh, this title, uh, and so it's been like a big shift for us in taking that experience and moving to mobile and building out mobile games and getting into that whole paradigm. And in a way, it's also kind of like going back uh, 15 or 20 years in the sense that now you're dealing with all these new restrictions, right? You have memory, and you have like the space and the interaction, and you have to think about all that stuff. Uh, in terms of being a playtester, yeah, we run regular playtesting events here. Uh, and bring people in, sit them down, um, talk to them about the game, um, ask them to play through the game and, and experience our new stuff and give us feedback on it. Uh, so we do that both on-site here. We're also are, are putting something together around surveys for additional feedback. Uh, and then we have all of our you know, community forums and that kind of thing for like direct interaction too. So love to get that feedback from the players. 
Absolutely. That's the best way to do it. If I'm uh, going live with a huge website, before I even think about going live, I have a lot of people that are not in the know or not so close to the project sit down, go through the website, tell us what's difficult to find, tell us what they thought was, you know, it just didn't seem like it belonged. Because sometimes you're so close to a project, you don't see those little details. You think it's easy because it's been in your face forever. So that's, that's the best way to do it. Let the users tell you what it needs. You guys have done a lot. As you said, you had uh, Ashran's Call, Dungeons and Dragons Online, yeah. which is awesome. Lord of the Rings Online, Batman, Arkham Underworld, and of course, Game of Thrones Conquest. It seems like a really fun place to work. You, this is when you say, yes, it's the best place in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you know what? The joke in making games, right, is that, like, it, it's not play, right? You, it's, it, it's a hard job. Like, this, is, this is challenging work to do. Uh, it's also a great place to work uh, because you have people that are so excited about what they're doing uh, and so passionate about it and so knowledgeable about it. So, you know, from that perspective, like, you know, yeah, there's, the, like I was mentioning earlier today, I sat down with a, a big part of the team for a brainstorming session, and it was literally 40 minutes of throwing ideas of, well, what can we do here, what can we do there, right? It was no, sorry, no holds barred, open, like, what can we build, what would be exciting, and what would our players love, and what would be cool for the Game of Thrones experience or the, the Game of Thrones universe, right? Things that we believe we can get done, we believe we can drive on. So uh, it'd be, being able to just kind of sit down and be creative like that, Absolutely. I mean, you guys started with 12 people in your staff. We read a little about it. I don't know how true or not this stuff is, but the sort of origin stories of the company founded by Johnny Montserrat. Is that correct? I think Johnny claims that they're the, the origins are shrouded in, in time and mystery in that sense. <laughs> the, um, we still have people who've been with this company for over 20 years. Uh, in the studio working with us today, my um, brother-in-law actually was one of the first employees hired down there when they were working out of a garage in Rhode Island. Like, uh, you know, it was a tiny company that scrapped its way up and, and pushed and grew over time. So, yeah, it's been a long road. That's the best kind of company, though. You started small, you worked hard to get up. I mean, Apple did that, too, right? They, they're the ones that coined, uh, you could start a business in your garage. <laughs> Steve Jobs did it. We can do it. <laughs> and then moving to these free-to-play games, you know, on mobile platforms. I, I don't mean this to sound like a rude question, but I know this is something that goes into our podcast and considerations just for all the expenses that it takes trying to make this work. How does a format like this make money? Sure. The basic question there is: you give it away for free, how can it possibly make money? Uh, <laughs> it, it makes funny because people get excited about it because they enjoy it because they choose to spend to, to enhance what they're doing or they get excited about it and they want to advance and they want to invest in us and they want to invest in their game so we had to build around that we had to think about how to, how to set that up to make it work uh, but ultimately like if the players didn't love it we wouldn't make anything yeah, that, that makes sense. As I'm playing now and getting up to these higher levels, I want that second builder so that right. I can build more things in my <laughs> yeah. game. So I've thought about it, definitely. And uh, we wanted to ask you, this is a very personal question. <laughs> what level are you in the game? Uh, I'm keep level 10. Right level now. 10? This is my, my second account. I was in a lot of our um, soft launch type of things earlier in the summer. 
uh, and then kind of re-rolled fresh and got going. Um, and the, the growth has been incredible, actually, watching people like, like push their way up and, and fight over the landscape. And, and um, I know we're rolling out new seats of power over time, so continue to then ever expand like, what the opportunities are for folks. Yeah, because I'm I'm at a higher level than you are. Yes, you are. So you are. can just say that's why you're asking this, yeah, this question. But no, it was really exciting to find that the higher up I got, the more things I'm still discovering that I can do with the game, the way I can change my avatar, if you call it that, and uh, equip them in new outfits, things that will increase the power, um, forge alliances. One of the things, though, and, and maybe this is just me being silly, I tried to look for Jason on the game so that I could locate him and form an alliance with him, but I couldn't find him. Is there a way you can go about doing that? So the first thing you want to do is check to see which kingdom you're on because we have, I think we're well over 30 kingdoms now in terms of like places where you can go in and forge your home in your Westeros and play. Um, and if you're not on the same kingdom, then... Since you're higher level, he could use a friend code and, and so get a code from you and swap over to your kingdom. He'd have to restart though. Restart, okay. Okay, that's good to know though, definitely. Well, talking about restarting, can you give us a tip on the best way to start building your empire? I'd say there's two things you should focus on when you're really in the early game. Um, the first is complete your quests as you're building up your city. Because um, there's a lot of good rewards in the early quest that will help you advance more quickly and more powerfully. Um, the second is don't forget to build up your troops and send them out to kill off some local monsters and, and uh, harvest from the local area. Um, because that's a really nice source of income that shouldn't be a lot of risk. It should be something you continue to do over time. And you'll keep those troops busy while you're advancing other things. I was pleasantly surprised when you send a troop out. For the most part, it's not like you're sending it out and you have to wait three hours. Yeah. Really, it doesn't take too much time. So you're not just sitting there waiting for your troops to come back. I really enjoy that part. Yeah, especially if you pick something close to you on the map. You yeah. can kind of just keep rolling out the missions. Yeah, so little details like that. Did you guys have to pra or practice? Did you guys have to play with that a little bit? You know, like you had it and it, w it took a little too long, so you had to kind of wheel it in and, and make it like, okay, so... 20 minutes, 25 minutes might be too long for this distance of a fight. So I think it's balancing it out, right? We wanted there to be sort of the, the investment of, like, um, I'm doing something and it'll take a little time and I can kind of plan for it. Also, you know, if I'm going out to attack someone or someone's attacking me, I can kind of see them coming. Like, I get that, that distance has meaning, right? I care about it. I care about where I am in the world. Uh, even to the point where, like, we... You know, different parts of, of Westeros have different environments, right? And different features around you and different things going on. Yeah. Um, so bouncing all that stuff out, definitely a lot of feedback goes into that, a lot of uh, kind of testing and playing it and messing with it. Uh, and then ultimately trying to go for what's fun. Jason, I don't know if that, that makes you think of this, but you had a question on here about, you know, you keep speaking about how big of an enterprise this is, and I can imagine, are there teams that work on different areas of it, multiple uh, project teams, what type of things go into that, and what's your role in all of that? Sure. So my role right now is I drive our primary feature developer, right? I'm kind of driving our core game. So the, the things that we're building out that are going to be new, that'll change up a major game system, or you know, add that, that new 
crafting or that new uh, research tree or that new way to play. Those kind of things I'm working with our game team on a, on a daily basis. Uh, and in terms of multiple teams, yeah, we try to be really flexible with our teams. So we have a bunch of teams working together simultaneously. Um, each of them have the kind of people they need, uh, and they can push on different things all at the same time. Teams-wise, are they broken up like illustrators and then the coders as far as like uh, Android and then Apple, Xcode? So the, the best teams for us are actually the ones that bring together designers and business folks and coders and artists all together at the same time uh, so they can work together and build something that's unified, like something that brings the best of all of that. The illustrations, and that might not be the right word, we, we have a fine art background. But I'll just sure. use that. The illustrations on here are beautiful from the characters to, you know, having the ability to have detail on such small things when you're looking at it from a bird's eye view, but still retain detail. Yeah, the buildings yeah. within the world, what they look like, the Maester's Tower, the Rookery, all the things that... Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. I'm guessing you guys start from sketch, then you bring it into the 3D environment. Yeah, we have a whole, we have a, um, a few concept artists we're really driven around what's the aspiration, what's the idea, what fits in the world, what, what connects emotionally. Um, and our art director puts a lot of time into that. Uh, and then we have specialists, right? We have 2D artists and we have 3D artists and we have you know, animators and riggers and, and technical folks who do more code integration, um, folks that are interested and specialized in sort of user experience and, and how do we lay out the buttons and the, the, the interaction, right? how do we get all the information in there. So it's a variety of different kinds of disciplines, but you, all of which you call art, all of which are part of the art team. So now that it's live, do you have uh, different developers now that maintain it and, and work on keeping this game progressing? And then, and then you, you, the developers that created this game, do they go off to the next project for the new game? So we, we're not doing any splitting or any new games right now. We are 100% focused on Game of Thrones. Um, and we do have a team that's spending a lot of time bringing um, events into the game world, so keeping the game world alive. Um, so there's new challenges, new competitions, new ways to get rewards, new ways to get some of those special building ingredients that I know can be a little scarce sometimes. <laughs> uh, and then the team that I'm working with more directly, which is all about what's the next thing? How do we? How are we going to improve the game in a in a uh, a really fundamental way or add into things that we've already built and really make it better. So we have Apple, which is Xcode, and then you have Android, which I believe is Java. When Apple introduces a whole new hardware that changes the landscape, like iPhone X, for example, <laughs> are, you, are you guys notified beforehand so you have time to kind of restructure the game? So we've got a, a few things we have to balance out there. Um, so one is we're, we run on Unity. So we're using a platform that already does a lot of that translation for us. Um, we also have relationships with um, Apple and with Google so that we you know, know as a developer, okay, there are changes coming up. Uh, and we just did some great work recently actually to, to um, customize and optimize our, our game for the iPhone X and iPhone X. So, um, and, and so we've gone through and like, set up the, the, the whole interface so that we, we take advantage of their kind of rounded corners and kind of floating interface and, and the new layout of the phone. And we continue to try to do that. Okay, this is going to be an ignorant question, <laughs> so don't laugh. Do you guys start off coding and, and developing the game in one 
system like Xcode and then you get the bugs out and get that really done right mm-hmm. and happy with it and then go to Android or do you do them simultaneously? We do it all at the same time. Like we're working on both um, our, our Android and our iPhone uh, builds pretty much simultaneously. Uh, and then there are different bugs for different platforms, right? There are different solutions. More often than not, you know, I kind of think of the Android world as kind of like the PC. Instead, there's so many different models, and so many different options, and so many different hardware setups. So then a lot of time goes into kind of getting, you know, that wide selection of, of phones that we can test against just running those tests, checking them out, getting the bugs back. So when did you guys start this? Like how long from storyboards to live? How long did it take you to make oh, Conquest? Uh, there, there were a few versions of the game. It's been a few years. Um, from my experience, I incubated a version of this uh, almost three years ago, and we spent a couple of years with, you know, in serious focus, like building out this game platform. So I think we, we passed through a few ideas before we really settled on what we wanted to do. The biggest change for me i think the biggest thing that was specific to kind of how things changed over time was that we started out with this idea that we wanted like a betrayal system right everybody says oh intrigue like you have to have intrigue and betrayal in game of thrones it's really important how are we going to do that we had like the pieces of paper and chits and board game models and stuff we'd run into conference rooms and have play tests on and like you know on and on and what we learned over time was actually that we were overthinking it that we were over-designing it, and that if you set the situation up where people can have like these relationships with each other and have things they want to go after, they're naturally going to find their friends and find their enemies and make their choices and have their moments of betrayal and all the rest of that. Uh, and we didn't have to push it too hard. Christina, you had a question about uh, the characters and maybe like a phase two or phase three? With the alliances, I think a, a lot of this is just, I don't know enough about that yet because, like I said, I, I wasn't able to find Jason on there, so I didn't traverse yeah. into that realm of, of forging alliances and getting Bannerman yet. I don't really know what I'm going to be able to do with that. How far does that go? You know, I know you can have a liege lord and then you can have Bannerman, but what else can you do with those alliances? So the, the big thing that the allegiances can do is you can uh, conquer seats of power, right? You can conquer the, the, these locations on the map, these well-known or some not-so-well-known you know, sort of fortresses that are out there. Um, and then you can start to grant out titles to your bannermen, and you can you grant additional benefits, additional costs to the, your allegiance members in the local area. Uh, and that's, that's really the focal point of the allegiance game right now, the social game right now, is saying, hey, where do I want to live on the map? What do I care about? Which of these looks exciting to me? And then can we go there and, and conquer this place and kind of get up on the leaderboard and like be a part of the world there? Over time, there's a lot more we want to do with it. Um, but that's our starting point right now is, hey, you have a group of people you can play with and connect with and, and talk to. And then you have these kind of well-known places to go out and challenge for Oh, that's amazing. So it's already pretty much all there. Everything I was looking for, I just haven't gotten to that point yet. That's the fun of it. If you want to take the dread fort, go and take it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would love to. In the background, I know you, you can get analytics as far as who's playing, how often they're playing, um, who's been conquered. But can you see, again, another ignorant question, can you see battles happening 
visually or just by uh, code? I think we have we have enough to. So first of all, we all, most of our time is spent looking at data in aggregate, right? Like we're looking at broad behaviors and we're looking at sort of are people connecting to the system and enjoying it? Are they playing? Are they using it or not using it? We also can certainly see, like, hey, there's been a lot of, of conflict, a lot of combat, um, but we're not like sitting back and modeling out battles and watching which ones happen. But we are saying, hey, is combat feel fair? Like, are people getting the results that we we, we need to happen? Like, is is this working the way we expected to? And then, what do we need to do to change to make it better? How do you balance up users that have the money? to just throw at the game and make their character super strong really early. You know, it's, it's, let's say it's like the first two weeks of the game going live. So you have the, the regular users that they play, but they play at their own rate. And then you have these, these guys that seem to have money to kill. <laughs> and all of a sudden, they're like superhuman. How do you balance that out? Well, so I've, I've, I've got two answers to that. One is like allegiances, having a social group is a huge part. And if there was... Like, I know we talked about sort of early gameplay and, like, what I would recommend doing. Like, getting your city up and running, getting your quest up and running, you know, getting your, your army started, all really important. But the probably biggest thing you can do to kind of find yourself a place and secure yourself is find a group of people to play with. Connect to other folks. That is going to be the best thing to get you started uh, and get you connected. Uh, and then the other thing is there is a Game of Thrones thing where, you know, gold wins wars. But... <laughs> Uh, the uh, you know not to go too Lannister on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though. That is true. We know that Apple is is starting to fall really in love with augmented reality, and we know Samsung has been doing their thing with augmented reality. Do you foresee Game of Thrones Conquest being an augmented reality type game in the future? Oh gosh, um, I could see in my head how you would take kind of our game map and kind of project it out or play it out um, in more of a 3D world. Uh, it's nothing we're working on right now, but like as the technology gets better than us. That'd be fun. I mean, you have a perfect table right there. You know, you <laughs> use your phone right Just on that desk, it. and you have your, your world right there. <laughs> That'd be so fun. Yeah. yeah. So maybe like phase four. <laughs> Well, because I know that Apple's really falling in love with that. And with the iPhone 10, they're, they're getting into that game. And then next year's iPhone, I think their cameras are going to be even better. And it's really, they're going to push that kind of world. And then you can have dragons fly across your room and oh, burn other people's castles. I can see it. I'm waiting for my personal holograms, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes, that too. We all are. <laughs> Absolutely. Lastly, just anything else you can tell us about the future for the game or for the company in general? I, it's been a great launch. It's just been uh, an awesome period. And geez, the, uh, you know, I think it's like we're ramping up right now. The, the, the focus is all around like making the world more alive and bringing those events out to the world and uh, getting some exciting kind of content in terms of, you know, a lot of it's around white walkers right now and around around kind of threats from the north. And so I think you're going to see that scale up, especially over the next few weeks, maybe even, you know, leading up into the holiday season. In terms of uh, longer-term plans, like we have, you know, things we've already built, we just want to make better. So we want to make that social experience better. We want to make that gameplay better. We're going to fix a ton of bugs. 
Um, and then we can start thinking about sort of the fan scales and how they play out and just make the world bigger. Uh, and what we can do is matter of time. Like I said, we're, there's, there's no distractions here. Like the team is 100% focused on this game. The company's focused on this game. We're just really excited. That's awesome. So Aaron, this is what you have to do. You have to tell your whole team that they need to listen to the Coffee Clatch Crew podcast on Game of Thrones. <laughs> It'll only help them with the game. I promise. Okay. <laughs> well, and then we'll tell our Clatchers to play Game of Thrones Conquest. Yeah, absolutely. This is what will happen. It's free. Get it right to your phone or iPad. It was- I feel so our, our community manager. So the if you've looked at the at the banner maker in my game, you'll see that it has you know just tons and tons of potential sigils you can use. Every one of those sigils came out of a frame of the show as we went back through and scanned through it. So I our our poor community manager basically went back through you know, six, seven seasons of the show and watched it episode by episode over and over again. It was like, okay, lock in on that frame. Okay, we've got that one. We've documented it. Let's go to the show. Mm-hmm. Can we use this one? Can we use this one? Can we identify that house? What is this thing, right? Pulling all that out. So, yeah, I would uh, I would pin her against anybody. For her oh, house. sure. Oh, I'm thinking of this, the scene from the book where the Dornishmen come to King's Landing and Tyrion's having Pod list off the flags that he sees for the banners flying and all the different houses. That's the scene where they probably hit pay dirt. There's like 20 of them right there. Oh, that, that's a great scene. We get all kinds of potential resources, all kinds of options for you. As far as making a game, this is the show to do it. In my personal opinion, this is the best show on TV. From this point on, they've set the bar. And everyone's just going to try to catch up. Visually, you have unlimited resources. There's so much there that you can just keep adding to the game. It's like it's like a toy chest for you guys. Yeah, yeah we think of ourselves sort of as a best of the Game of Thrones universe of highlights because we're not tagged to one season specifically or one moment in time or even one like line of history because the history is what you as players as nobles make of it. You make the history of your Westeros. Um, so it just gives us a lot of flexibility. It gives us a lot of opportunity and things we can bring in from all across the show. Yeah, it sounds amazing. So Turbine, you guys need a web designer there? Or <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know. Or an art therapist? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a whole, whole other field there. Um, but it, it's been really great talking to you. Thanks so much for coming on and, and uh, having us talk to you about Game of Thrones Conquest. Thank you. Sorry, I'm such a tiny uh, figure on the bottom of this box here. <laughs> we always struggle with that, too. Yeah, no worries. In the future, if you guys have anything big that you're rolling out and you want to connect with us again, please do. Okay. I know where to find you. I appreciate it. And I'll go through our folks as well. I love talking to you. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Take care. Have a good night. This round is on me. Try again.